0: Welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Teller, your host. It's Tuesday. It's comedy, variety, and drama, or drama, variety, and comedy, or however you want to say those three words in whatever order you want to say them. But today is comedy, uh, because I like comedy, and I like Stan Freeberg. And we've played two Stan Freeberg shows so far out of 13 in the last... Uh, Six, eight months. So it's time for Stan Freeberg number three. Um, Stan Freeberg, one of the greatest satirists ever. And the, the last comedian to host his own show on radio in 1957 when no other comedians were on radio in 1957 but they gave him a shot at it because it was summertime and they were looking for something to fill and he filled it very well and did a fabulous job and it boistered his bolstered boistered advanced we use that word it advanced his career he was making records for capital at the time and it advanced his career even further and stan freeberg just happens to be great so if you know stan freeberg you'll want to hear this if you don't know stan freeberg please listen give him a chance here from july 28th 1957 the third show of the series of a brand new radio series the stan freeberg show
1: What do you mean, wait in the parking lot? I demand to be heard. All right,
2: madam, wait a moment.
1: Miss Universe contest indeed. I got a few things I'd like to say about that buster. All
2: right, look, I do not agree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it.
1: So when do I get to say it?
2: In just a moment. Will you have a seat? Hit it, Billy.
3: This is the third
2: show of a series of a brand new radio series. From Hollywood, Greenbinder Swimfins presents the Stan Freeberg Show. With the music of Billy May. Watch the songs of Peggy Taylor with Doris Butler, June Murray, Peter Lee and the Judd Conlon rhythm air. You may not find us on your TV, because in case you did not no, know, we're being brought to you on.
3: Brought to you on. To you on our radio,
4: and here he is Stan Freeberg. Uh Uh-huh. Gee,
2: actually, I expect a little more of an ovation, a little more of a tribute than that, uh, mm-hmm. Fred. Yeah. That sounded
4: kind of like a seal. Well, well, <laughs> well, just a moment, and I'll check with the sound man. Hey, Charlie, that a seal? Yeah, it was a seal.
2: <laughs> oh. oh, come on, you folks in the studio audience. Let the people at home know there's somebody here beside one miserable seal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, that's a little more like it. I just wanted CBS Radio to know that I have many fans among the flippered folk. (laughs) After all, uh, CBS is investing quite a chunk of money in my show. I mean, when you consider that they could have taken the same money and bought the screen rights to the Santa Monica phone directory. (laughs) A 300-page paper on the underlying significance of the geophysical year by Jane Mansfield. (laughs) And a pretty good-sized... Chicken Ranch in Pacoima Why, uh, it makes a man feel pretty humble Matter of fact, I feel so humble I can hardly walk <laughs> Which reminds me A funny thing happened to me On the way
4: to the show You folks at home may... Us folks at home Get a load of that guy
5: Oh, Sylvan, I was listening to that
4: They should have bought the Chicken Ranch
5: I was trying to listen to that
4: And I was trying to read Orphan Annie Hey, get a load of that mountain lion I'd like you to see... get a
5: load of Freeburg Will you turn him on, Sylvan?
4: Okay, okay
2: Guy says alligator, I thought you said bagpipes
4: (laughs) With this he gets laughs
5: Sylvan, you didn't hear the whole joke
4: Alligator, I thought you said bagpipes (laughs) Gotta remember to try that on the boys
5: Turn him back on, Sylvan We're probably missing
4: something All right, will you relax, Velma? We've only had him off for 11 seconds Now what could he do in 11 seconds?
3: Invite Oklahoma, Oklahoma,
2: okay. Well, we, we hope you enjoyed our capsule version of Oklahoma. Drop us a card and let us know if you think it suffered in the editing.
1: Come on, snap it up. When are you gonna get around to me?
2: All right, all right. Now, madam, what is your problem again?
1: You had a big contest here, right, Miss Universe.
2: That is true, however, I'm afraid it's over now. You're
1: telling me it's over. I spent two weeks trying to get in that lousy Long Beach lineup.
2: (laughs) And they wouldn't pay you any mind, eh?
1: No mind at all. You got some manners in what you call your world.
2: Yes, well, just uh, where are you from? I mean, what manner of... uh... I am
1: Miss Jupiter. I was chosen out of 10,000 girls on our planet.
2: Miss Jupiter? Why, that's amazing.
1: Why? Look, the contest was called Miss Universe, right? Right. So how come they wouldn't let me in?
2: Well, you got a point there.
1: That's my antenna.
2: (laughs) Oh, so it is, yeah. Look, uh, Miss Jupiter, uh, how did you get here?
1: I flew my saucer down. What do you think?
2: Yes, I see it there. Why don't you climb all the way out of it?
1: I have climbed all the way out of it. I parked it outside.
2: Yes, but those wheels. What about those wheels?
1: Those wheels, as you so indelicately put it, happen to be my best feature. Some girls got curly antennas. Other girls got cute suction cups. I got shapely wheels.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're... (laughs) They're pretty shapely at that.
1: (laughs) You know it, they're shapely. (laughs) I see new eye in them.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, they wouldn't let you in the Miss Universe contest, eh? That's a shame.
1: Discrimination is what it is. If you're gonna run a Miss World contest, run a Miss World contest. If you're gonna run a Miss Universe contest, shape up. Let's be tolerant of all planets.
2: (laughs) Nicely put. But look, Miss Jupiter... You
1: can call me Zuzu, honey.
2: All right, look, Zuzu, honey. Perhaps they found out you were married. Yeah, but
1: I ain't married and I'm over 18. The least I could do was get a couple of modeling jobs like Leona Gage.
2: Well, I'm just wondering if your height had anything to do with your being ruled out. How tall are you?
1: Two foot one. (laughs) In high wheels. (laughs) Think that's too tall?
2: No, I I had in mind the other way around
1: Well, it's tall by Jupiter's standards, buddy (laughs) And how about them measurements, huh?
2: (laughs) Yeah, how about them measurements? What are they?
1: 39, 39, 39 Look, don't knock
2: You can count on me, (laughs) believe me Well, look, Zuzu, we'll try and get you a couple modeling jobs
1: Oh, get me a couple, will you?
2: Okay, I'll give him a buzz over at Fantasy and Science Fiction.
1: Oh, gee, I'd certainly appreciate that.
2: Well, from week to week in this spot, as you know, we will be bringing you somewhat uh, unusual elements, including the truth about tree toads, a build-it-yourself Great Wall of China kit, (laughs) And a child psychologist only four years old. Tonight, however, we take you through the magic of radio to romantic Laguna Beach, where the Skin Divers Mandolin Club is holding their annual festival. Here we are in Laguna. Can you hold down the surf, please? Thank you. Here we are in Laguna. This is a sight to behold. Just picture it, ladies and gentlemen. On this beautiful white beach are gathered over a thousand skin divers in their rubber suits that look for all the world like shiny, long, black underwear. (laughs) This is truly a scene. This is the moment, ladies and gentlemen, we've been waiting for. (whistles) Just imagine it. On that whistle, a thousand snorkels were slurped into place. Now the mandolins are held over the heads of the skin divers, their picks are ready. And now that romantic moment, when with swim fins flapping, a thousand skin divers, like a black rubber river, strum their way into the surf and quietly slip into the golden sunset of the blue Pacific. The surf, we hear the gentle picking of their mandolin and the hum of a thousand snorkels. Yes, it's time again for their 2,600 mile swim, for their annual surprise visit to serenade our friends at lovely Waikiki Beach.
5: In the beautiful Hawaiian Islands,
3: where the temperature
5: never changes. The temperature in Ola is 78 and Kahulao 78, and Lily O'Kalani, 79.
2: And as the last mandolin strums into the sunset, we say, Arrivederci, frogmen, Arrivederci, and good night, Harry Owens, wherever you are. (laughs) ¶¶ Peggy, come on out here. Peggy Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. Well, how did you like the Skin Divers Manly Club, Peggy? Oh, you enjoy that? fine,
6: Stan. It's mm-hmm. fine. Do you know who invented the first diving suit?
2: No, do you?
6: Why yes, it was Leonard Norcross of Dixfield, Maine, and he patented it on June 14, eighteen thirty-four. Patent number seven six four four W nine zero. Oh, of
2: course. Jeez. What's the matter with oh. me forgetting anything like that?
6: Sakes.
0: <laughs>
2: By the way, where did you get that fascinating bit of information?
6: Oh, uh, I get around, Stanley. <laughs> You'd like me to sing there?
2: Yeah, I'd like that. Is Jud Conlon going to sing with you?
6: Yes, he and five others.
2: All that in Billy May, too? Yeah. Gee, it's spectacular. Sing, dear. Bye.
6: Together dancing cheek to cheek. Oh, I love to climb a mountain and to reach the highest peak. But I don't enjoy it half as much as dancing cheek to cheek. Oh, I love to go out fishing in a river or a creek. But I don't enjoy it half as much as dancing cheek to cheek. Oh. I with me. I want my arms about you. The charm about you will carry me through too. Ever. Ever. And my heart beats so that I can hardly speak. And I seem to see the happiness see when we're out together dancing cheek to cheek.
4: Being ever faithful to the policy that the Freeburg show goes everything, sees anywhere, and does anyone, we join field man Leroy Straddle high in a tree on the banks of justly famous Lake Wacamaca in northeastern Oregon. Take it away, Leroy Straddle.
3: <laughs>
2: Thank you. This is Leroy Straddle here, high in a tree that hangs over the justly famous Lake wagga mugga in northeastern Oregon. My, we're pretty high up here today, believe you me. And with me is Mrs. Hagmire Prill, who you may remember, I'm sure, a sculptress and nature lover.
1: I'm not here with you. I was here before you came.
2: In a manner of speaking, you are here with me or I am here with you. It does not matter.
1: Well, it does to me. All
2: I'm trying to say is...
1: Let's lay the hogwash and get on with it.
2: Yes, certainly, certainly. Well, Mrs. Prill <laughs> is wearing a most interesting uh, costume, I might just add.
1: Where do you get that interesting costume stuff?
2: Well, I just noticed that Well, you... all
1: the members of the club wear the same thing when we're in the field. Midi blouses and bloomers are most practical.
2: And uh, what is the name of your club again?
1: The Upward and Onward Girls.
2: The Upward and Onward Girls, eh? Yes,
1: the Upward and Onward Girls, eh? Do you want to make anything out of it?
2: No, indeed. Oh, indeed, I don't. I think that's just fun. Oh,
1: hush now, listen... That's the yellow-bellied sap <laughs>
2: Well, you could have fooled me. <laughs> yes, now, you all wear the mini-blouses and bloomers, is that correct?
1: Yes, all except Alice Baumgarten. She lives down the street from me, you know.
2: No, I didn't know
1: that. Well, she does. She's a lovely girl.
2: I'm sure she is. We have to move right along <laughs> Yes, now.
1: She does. Well, anyway, Alice wears shorts. I don't like to say it, but she's one of those girls who thinks she's got good-looking legs. And does she? Young man, I didn't climb all the way up this tree to discuss Alice Baumgarten's legs.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm sure that we didn't climb up to discuss the legs.
1: Can't you hear it, you idiot?
2: Can I hear What?
1: Tree
2: toad! You mean that... That's a tree toad?
1: Yes, that... Is a tree toad or a a tree frog. (laughs) Oh, a very interesting child of nature it is.
2: Unquestionably. Could you tell us more?
1: Well, it's one of the tailless amphibia that Mother Nature has adapted to tree living. You see, the tips of its tiny fingers and toes are fitted with wee adhesive discs that adhere to the bark of the tree by the rapid and intense pressure of the distal phalanx. That's... Fascinating! <laughs> oh, yes, indeed, it is. Yes, that's fascinating. <laughs> hey, with those discs, the little darlings can go hippity-skippity all over the tree. Uh, do you know what is this, Mrs. Stratton?
2: No, Mrs. Prill, what is it?
1: The mating season.
2: I'm sorry, Mrs. Prill, but I am engaged to a lovely girl.
1: <laughs> I'm not talking about you, you clothhead. Oh. I'm speaking about tree frogs. Oh, pardon me, pardon me. Yes, well, I was just going to move out on this limb and see if I can find where little mother frog has laid her eggs.
2: Yes, well, I wouldn't go too far out you see, on the limb. the mother
1: tree frog lays her eggs on a leaf that overhangs the water. Those are the filamedusae, of, of course.
2: Of course. Be a little careful there, Mrs. Prill.
1: And when the eggs hatch... The teeny weeny little tadpoles drop into the water where they spend their larval life. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Ooh!
2: <laughs> interesting and moist, I'm sure. So while Mrs. Krill is getting a first-hand look at the larval life of the tree toad, it's back to Hollywood. Well, so much for nature study. Now we come to the variety portion of our program.
6: Oh, well, what's that going to be, Stan?
2: You like acrobats, Peggy? Oh,
6: yes, I sure do.
2: Good. At this time, I'd like to present for the first time on radio, the Zasaloff family.
6: Zasaloff? What nationality is that?
2: Swiss. This way, we don't offend anyone.
6: <laughs> Good.
2: After 11 times on the Ed Sullivan Show, and what with the circus out of business, there was no plate cells for them to go. Ladies and gentlemen, the Zasaloff family! Wonderful, ladies and gentlemen. I wish you could see this. They're building a human pyramid of bodies. Whoa, there he is up in the air. Look at that. He's hanging by one. And now, on the floor. Whoa, it's wonderful. He's on the caterboard now, wearing purple shorts. And oh, there he goes. And being suspended by the
4: How do you like that guy? Acrobats on radio.
5: I rather enjoyed it, Sylvan.
4: Velma, maybe you're not well.
5: Do you mind if I hear the Freeburg program?
4: Oh, Velma. Come
5: on. We probably missed his version of My Fair Lady or something.
4: Yeah, that'll be the day. We probably missed some interesting thing like the discussion on projected hoe-handle production for fiscal year 56-57.
5: Don't be ridiculous. Turn him on.
4: Oh, all right.
2: Certainly want to thank you, Mr. Armstead-Frag, for coming up here and giving us your views on projected hoe-handle production <laughs> for fiscal year 56-57. Oh, thank you, Mr. Freiberg. The pleasure was mine. Many of you who heard our historical sketch on Barbara Freachie may be asking yourselves rather indignantly where we got our information. Well, I'll tell you where we got our information from our historical research man, Mr. Robert E. Tainter. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Tainter. Now call me Bob, Stan. Well, Bob, uh, can you give us a little of your background? Yeah, well, Stan, I'm a research specialist. I started out on the editorial staff of one of America's leading publications. And that was Confidential.
3: <laughs>
2: and are you still uh, with them? No. They had no guts. <laughs> I really couldn't work for a magazine that just pussyfoots around. <laughs> when I get a story, I want it printed. Well, I admire a man of convictions. And by the way, have you had many? The longest was 30 days. Well, uh, tell us, uh, Bob, uh, what did you do before confidential? I worked with the police department. I see, a detective? No, stool pigeon stand. (laughs) I was on regular salary. Mm Mm-hmm. A sort of civil service snitch, as it were. (laughs) Quite, yes. Well, uh, how did you happen to get into historical expose? Well, I... I found there was a wealth of dirty linen in the history hamper. (laughs) Nicely put. Well, you have a rather refreshing point of view, Mr. Tainter. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. I know. Well, some people, you know, they look at the idols. I look at the clay feet. An interesting hobby. Yeah. I got a collection of clay feet that did knock your hat off. (laughs) I'll bet. Well, tell me, uh, what historical illusion are you about to destroy for us this evening? Now, tonight, Stan, I have picked Custer's last stand Oh, oh perhaps you'd better come back no, some no, no, other no, time I'm, no, look, no, 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 it's uh, not General Custer himself I mean, I'm still working on him Yes, I know, but, but he the network He had this colonel, you see Yeah, I'd really listen, rather not hear please, about it please, Stan, listen sh- Come oh, here, Stan, yeah, All right. What? General Custer what? Yes, and then what?
3: Yeah. Oh, who, who, who goes there?
2: Put down that rifle, you idiot It's me Oh, gee, Colonel, sir, it's you I I didn't recognize you in the dark Did you have a hard ride, sir? Of course I had a hard ride Why do you think my horse is all covered with lather? Well, I didn't know I thought maybe you were going to shave him (laughs) All right, never mind Come in my tent Uh, uh, Yes, sir Oh, by the way, sir Did you ride all the way to Little Bighorn? Yes Did you see any Indians? Uh, yeah, I, I saw a couple, yes. Just a couple? Well, there might have been a half a dozen or so. I, <clears throat> I really didn't count them. Uh, look, uh, Jenkins, uh, uh, stand up next to me back to back, will you?
3: Okay, sir.
2: Mm-hmm. A hair shorter.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you'll have to do. Here, my boy, slip into my coat. Me put your coat Shh, on, keep Colonel? Keep your voice down. Keep oh, your voice down. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Close that tent flap and don't slam it. Oh, yes,
3: sir.
2: All right. Yes. Put on my boots. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! this is sure fun, Colonel. I always wanted to dress up like an officer.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: How's the boots? Well, they, they, they feel pretty big. A little big, are they? Have you got the same thing in the nine and a nine-and-a-half triple-A? <laughs> no, I'm trying to have it. Here, drop these marbles in them. Oh. You'll appear taller as well. Uh, okay, Colonel. Right, here's my hat. And here... Wear my sword. Oh, Colonel, sir, I couldn't put on your sword. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. Hurry it up, please. Gee, do, do you mind if I primp a little in, fr- in front of your mirror? No, I guess not, but be quick about it. Oh, Hurry boy. Hurry
3: up. Attention! Straighten up that line, man. Shh! Hey, quiet. What's the matter? Your voice Wait, down. Oh, oh. Hey,
2: Colonel. Hey, Colonel, sir, how come you're putting on that Indian headdress and, and that war paint? Well, I, it's a little masquerade I'm going to... <laughs> What a practical joke I'm playing on General Custer. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I love jokes. Gee, when he sees me in your suit, he'll think I'm you, huh? (laughs) I'm banking on that. (laughs) Gee, Colonel, sir, you look for all the world like a real American Indian.
3: Ugh. (laughs) Ah!
2: Hey, that's rich! Shut Lower me. your voice. Let's keep your voice oh, down. Oh, my voice down. Oh, yeah. All right, now hurry up. Say, Colonel, sir, what did I tell General Custer if he asked me if I saw any Indians to the west? Tell him anything you want. And by the way, Jenkins, which way is east? Uh, which? Uh, that way, that, I think. That way right there, all right. Uh, yes, fine. sir. Thank you. Now, say, I'll thank you uh, not to tell the general about our little secret. It's, uh, it's a better joke
3: that
4: way.
2: Oh, <laughs> you can count on
4: me, sir.
2: Hey, Colonel, sir, I think I hear Indians on a warpath. Is that part of the joke, too? Uh, In a manner of speaking, yes. Quickly, is your horse saddled up? Uh, Yes, sir, it's right outside. All right, then. I'm off. Uh, But, Colonel, so what horse will I ride? Jenkins, I'm going to give you my very own horse. You can ride right next to General Custer. Ah, gee, Colonel, I couldn't take that honor away from you. Jenkins, be my guest. Quickly, we're under attack
4: Hey, gosh, sir <clears throat> General Custis uh, they on
3: all
2: sides of us, Colonel In fact, I could have sworn I just saw an Indian riding away from your tent <clears throat>
4: You don't say so, General oh, I'm uh, losing
2: my mind <clears throat> Quickly, quickly, get on your horse, Colonel There's no time to lose Look at them There must be 10,000 Indians To
3: arms, man <laughs> April Fool, General Custis It's just a big Indian masquerade. The joke's on
4: you. (laughs) That one was a little close, eh? Gee, aren't we having fun, General Custer?
3: This is the best Indian masquerade I was ever at.
2: Gee, Mr. Tainter, are you sure that's the way it happened? And take it from me. Yeah. Well, it wasn't much of a masquerade. No, that wasn't quite the word. Quite the word, no. Well, uh, how do you happen to know this story? Well, because the colonel who rode to the east on Jenkins' horse was my grandfather. Amazing. And what was his name? He never told me. He was too ashamed. (laughs) Understandable. And that Indian war bonnet you're holding in your hand, is that the very one he wore? Yes, Stan, it's a family heirloom. Those feathers, are they eagle? No, Stan, chicken. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, we have received so many cards and letters uh, congratulating us on the fable we did on our first show two weeks ago that we have been truly overwhelmed here at CBS. From a personal standpoint, I am deeply grateful and delighted that you enjoyed Incident at Los Verosis. We have another such fable planned in the immediate future. And, oh, yes, to the Nevada Chamber of Commerce, thanks so much for the do-it-yourself hangman's noose kit. <laughs> you really shouldn't have. So, until next week, then, this is Stan Freeberg saying thanks for listening, God bless you, and good night.
5: Stan Freeberg's show is produced in Hollywood by Pete Barnum and is written by Stan Freeberg and Pete Barnum with original songs by Stan Freeberg. Featuring the music of Billy May, Judd Conlon for the Mayors, and the songs of Peggy Taylor. The stars, Butler, Peter Leeds, and June Parade.
4: Also in the cast were Virginia Gregg and her vibrant. Bud Sewell speaking.
5: Well, how did you like the Stan Freeberg show?
4: Eh, you can't go by me. (laughs)
0: Okay, Stan Freeberg show from July 28th, 1957, CBS Radio, with Dawes Butler. June Foray, all those wonderful cartoon voices from your youth, unless you're too young to have had those cartoons in your youth. But a lot of those cartoons and cartoon voices are still on Nickelodeon and different different channels. They still run some of those cartoons with Stan Freeberg and Dawes Butler and June Ferre. Uh, Stan Freeberg is actually the voice of Beanie in Beanie and Cecil back in the early 50s. I don't think they run those anywhere. Maybe MeTV, but I doubt it. Um, All right. So back next week with more comedy, drama, or variety. It usually winds up being comedy since that's what I like. Um, And uh, we'll have our Thursday show, which is we we are beginning the top 10 horror monsters. Horror monsters. Well, monsters. They can be horrible, but monsters. Top 10 monsters of all time from radio. So if you want to go from comedy to monsters, then come back on Thursday. So until then, check out the website, goodolddaysofradio.com, Facebook page, Good Old Days of Radio Show. Tell all your friends, keep the audience growing, and thank you for listening. This is John Tifteller saying goodbye. (laughs)